This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hello! Dr. Sterling, I don't even know your first name. The name I was given at birth was Christine, Mm. but now I have my Hebrew name, which is Noah. Noah. So... You can call me Noah. Well, that, isn't that interesting? But, yeah. I didn't when think... When we move to Israel, <gasps> I will go by Noah. You might move to Israel, or are you planning on moving to Israel? We're, we're planning on moving to Israel. We have to pay off our student debt first before we can go. Wow. But, yeah, that's the plan. I was actually just talking to um, another guest about, like... Um, about healthcare. She had a medical abortion, and we were just talking about this. She lives in Texas, da, da, da. And she was saying... At the end, I said, well, what do you want to tell your, what do you want to leave us with? And she was like, don't give up hope. And I told her, I was like, well, I got to tell you, nothing happens without hope, so much so that the national anthem of Israel is Hatikva, which means hope. Like, nothing happens without hope. A whole... A whole nation of people could come back to their homeland after... Hundreds of years of exile because of Hatikva, hope. We could do yeah. anything if we have hope. Anyway, 100%. I had no idea asking your name would um, elicit such depth, but I, I'm also not surprised because because that's who you are. <laughs> Noah, huh? Dr. Sterling. Um, well, congratulations on your third baby. Thank you. Thank you. What's your yeah. ba- What are your baby's names? So my first is five, and she's Celeste Sarai, Mm. and my middle is Oliver Ezra, and then our final child is Hudson Arie. Hudson Arie, final, meaning you're not doing any more? We are not doing any more. That was the last. (laughs) You did your job. Yeah. Three times Mm -hmm. over. Because pregnancy has been hard for you, huh? Yeah. So I actually always thought that we would have four kids because I'm one of four And my husband is from um, a very small family, in part because he lost so much family in the Shoah. Um, And so, you know, he, he, you know, when we met, he was like, I want 10 children. We're, you know, we're going to do our part to repopulate those Jewish babies. Um, But then after our first, he's like, we may need to reevaluate the 10. Wow. Celeste really, like, changed your whole life. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I just I just watched your most recent or maybe just most recent to me um TikTok or Instagram reel about your um membership mm-hmm. Sterling yeah. Parents and how yeah. that started and maybe actually if we can rewind and would yeah. you introduce yourself? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um we can we can let the listener know why your first child had such a huge impact on on your life in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I am a board certified OBGYN and when I was pregnant with my first, it was, it was a difficult pregnancy, especially in the beginning. It was a really, really dark time. I am an extrovert. I am a very optimistic, positive person. I have never, before that, I don't think I'd ever had like a truly bad day. Like bad things had ha- had happened, but I could always find a little glimmer of hope in every day. Wow. Even on the worst days. And then pregnancy knocked me on my ass. And it was, I was so nauseous. Um, I was so sick. I was so fatigued. And I it was a big adjustment to who I am as a person because I had 
gotten all of my sense of self-worth from being productive and doing all the things and like being this badass doctor. And then I couldn't, Mm. I just, I I couldn't be as productive as I was before. I couldn't do all of the things. Well, it's funny because you were being productive. You were making actual like human life. Sorry. I don't mean to, not to gaslight you. It's the most productive. (laughs) No, it's the most productive. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm the classic kind of like overachiever where I don't give myself credit for something. You know what I mean? Like I, I constantly under credit myself and that's actually something that has got, I I am, it is 180 degrees from where it was before. So it was a very difficult pregnancy. And as I'm feeling nauseous and just awful and everything is gray and icky and I just don't enjoy life anymore. Thinking back to like all of the times people had shared with me, I'm feeling really nauseous. And I'd be like, yeah, that's normal. You know, we can do these medications without grasping the emotional impact of what it feels like to feel like crap for months and months. And so just it, it, to feel ill. Yeah. No, I know. I would (laughs) tell my doctor that I would tell my doctor that and she'd be like, yeah, you're pregnant. And she had had two or three children before or whatever, and she didn't have this huge epiphany that you have, but I'm assuming that you're an empath on on top of a lot of Maybe, other probably. beautiful <laughs> things, but you, you care deeply for people. Yeah. <laughs> this particular doctor was just like, yeah, you're pregnant, and then would walk out the door. But, okay, go on. Maybe that wasn't you. No, no, it happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are just like, yeah, that's just how it is. But um, just because something happens to so many people, and just because it's common doesn't mean that it feels normal when you're experiencing it. And so I, I then understood when I understood on a cellular, my personal experience level, what going through a pregnancy meant, and then going through a a traumatic birth Uh. and going through a postpartum period in which my husband, I mean, Obviously, I'm an OBGYN. My husband's an emergency medicine physician. So we're both physicians. And we were really struggling. And I remember at 3 o'clock in the morning, my daughter was crying and I was crying. And I was just like, this is, if I'm struggling here and I have all of these resources, I have, and I have all of this knowledge, I know that what's happening to me isn't dangerous or a serious medical condition, but... If, if I am struggling, then how can I expect all of these pe- these people out in the world to just do this with so little assistance? So it really lit a fire underneath me. I, you know, I was employed at the time to go back to my employer and, you know, I was all fired up. I was like, this has to change. We have to do this and this. And I was told, I remember one meeting I had with them, like, I was like, people are starting to wake up to the fact that this, this postpartum care, this lack of postpartum care is just, it's not okay. And they're like, oh, people have been saying that for a long time. Oh, okay. I was like, are you, this isn't, this isn't. <laughs> so you're like, cool with that's it? Not what you're getting, to say? That's not landing the way you think it's going to land. Wow. You know? So eventually I left, I left. Um, my medical practice. I don't practice clinical medicine anymore. I created an online platform. I created a membership for pregnancy and postpartum because I needed to, you know, I think of, I think of pregnancy and postpartum as kind of this river 
and all of your fears and stresses and anxieties and complications run in this river. And postpartum and prenatal care should be this beautiful bridge that just supports you across this river. But if you look at the bridge that Americans have right now, Americans, I love that most, you're highlighting that because Americans, I don't think they have this in the UK. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what it's like in Israel. It's different, but it's, it's different, different, you know, and I, I've talked to people from all over the world and there are places that have big problems like us and there are places that don't, you know, so it's, but it is very much an American problem. Yeah. And we have just this janky bridge. It's a, you know, like what it looks like it's to like a rope me bridge. is that you <laughs> It's broken, there's holes, and there's all these pregnant and postpartum people out there with a Google search bar trying to scotch tape their frickin' bridge. And it's not there, it shouldn't be the responsibility of individual people to fix this problem. For themselves. It's for themselves, while they're in it. While right? they're in it, I know. And then once we're out of it, we're like, never mind, we're fine, just keep yeah. moving. One leg, one foot in front of the other. It's, yeah, I mean, it really, it's infuriating. And so for me, it was a decision of, okay, I can either work from within the system and over the course of my lifetime hope to change this. But there was just such a sense of urgency. I, you know, I had other friends who were going through it, some of who, whom are OBGYNs and some of whom aren't, who were going through it. And I just felt like I cannot wait my entire life to fix this. Wow. And so I, that's why I left and I, I basically created my own bridge that can fill some of those gaps so that people don't have to go through, don't go through it by themselves without the support, education, community that they deserve. Do you think that this is um, particularly American because we're so isolated and have been even before COVID? Like, I don't There's think so it's, I don't things. think women or people with uteruses. Pregnant, capable people. Thank you. Is a good way to say it. Yeah. It's pregnant. It's, yeah. Pre pregnant, capable people um, should not be alone in this process. We should have, yeah. if we don't have actual biological sisters, we should have community. And what yeah. the f is going on here that we don't. I mean, thank God you've created <laughs> there's one. There's so many right? things. Okay, yeah. tell me. So one, we okay, we talked about American. America is a very individualistic society, right? Yeah. yeah. Very individualistic. And our friends, like we have, you and I both have friends that care a lot, but they are so overwhelmed themselves. That's right. I care a lot and I'm so overwhelmed. I yes. care a lot and I drop the ball on caring for people I love because yes. just having two children for me and a dog is a lot for yeah. me. It really yeah. is. And I, so yeah. I understand when other people drop the ball or can't call or anyway, go on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, really expecting other people with young children to be the safety net is hard. You know, we really do need people who are outside, like the, the years where you are, you have little kids, they're very physically intensive. And, you know, it's, you're, you're sleep deprived, you're trying to put sunscreen on these kids, like it is sunscreen physically overwhelming to be going, yeah, to be pregnant, postpartum, breastfeeding. So it's, it's an intense time. So yes, we do need community with people who are in our similar stage but we also need people who have exited that really intense phase right to be there for us right. but 
it's, you know, the problem is, is that, you know, a lot of the, the grandparents still have to work. It's expensive That's to right. live here. We have no social services. That's right. We have no child care. Our child care is Abominable. so expensive. It's so expensive. Daycares, I mean, daycares, have- where we're like, we're like, our, you know, I, you know, when I had like my, my son, um, and it, you know, and the world was normal five years ago when Celeste was born also, I think our kids are the same age. Ness. Yeah. Um, when I had my son, I was like, my son won't go to a daycare, a daycare. Ugh. And it's like, okay, so you have all this like single person money and like, fine, great. Have like some yeah, babysitter, yeah. whatever. Fine. Great. But like, after you have more than one child, you realize like daycare is actually extremely expensive. Yes. If you have to go yes. to work to pay for the daycare, daycare, the thing that we're all like, which is like yeah. saving our lives, is yeah. so expensive. Yeah. Forget nannies and babysitters. And like you said, our, our parents are stretched thin too. My, my parents are still yeah. working. Yeah. My, my husband's parents are still working. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is, is that the the village is too busy keeping up with with their own lives and it's not that it's not that we don't care about each other i do think we we care a lot but we're all stretched so thin that we're barely keeping our heads above water cuz we work too much we have a culture that doesn't prioritize rest we have a culture you know when you when i my favorite place in the world I- israel and italy are my two favorite places in the world yes. okay And Italy is just like, it's a, it's, their lifestyle is so different, you know, and we, it's hard to deprogram. The the American programming is strong. Yeah. It is strong. And so. It's a fight or flight. I think like we're all in the, I live in New York City, so definitely (laughs) nervous system overload just by virtue of like living high up. Right. Like that's not grounding. Right. But yeah. Definitely, <clears throat> the the whole of America is living in this fight or flight, gotta make yeah. it um, yeah. mentality, and we know that we we know that because look at our women and children. We are not yeah. thriving. We we're not. Yeah. No, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> why Why didn't you decide to maybe do like midwifery? I, I'm just, yeah. I, This is solely my own curiosity. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, one. I didn't know that I was going to going to be an OBGYN until I was already in medical school. So I was, I'm from a family of physicians and I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. Which also good. My, my also personality nice. does. Oh. Yeah. My, my personality does not vibe. I would okay. not have fit in with the ortho. Crap. Bros. There are some <laughs> women in there too, but like. Mostly bros. Yeah. The, the, um, I think the most accurate medical show out there is Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> truthfully maybe not exactly but yeah so um I didn't know that I was going to be an OBGYN I really didn't even know that I was going to be an OBGYN until I actually said the words out loud to my mentor that I was thinking about OBGYN and then I was like wait Hmm. I am I guess I am but it's it's very much me but you know what I the, the problem I love I trained with midwives so where I did my residency, we worked with midwives. We worked together. I was always on call with a midwife. We were hanging out on labor and delivery together. I've had all of my care through midwives. Oh, you have. Love midwives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't, they, they're only for, you know, kind of low. Sometimes they'll do a little bit 
you know, you may have a few risk factors and you can still be with a midwife, but there's a lot of people who, who risk out of midwifery care. So it is a better model for sure, but it is one, we don't have enough midwives and two, not everybody is able to see a midwife. And I really like the, I like supporting people who have those fears. You know, some of this pregnancy can be real. Pregnancy can be You've scary. You have no idea what's going There's on so on many... the inside of your body. Yeah. Inside someone else's <laughs> body you... on the inside yeah. of your body. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I, I feel really, I like taking care of people that are not, you know, that are, that are higher risk. Oh, you, you know, do. I, Were I, you? I, Were you higher mm-hmm. risk? No. I am a, other than with my final pregnancy, I missed advanced maternal age by a few weeks with my middle child. And then my final pregnancy, I was advanced maternal age. And that's the only risk factor I've ever had. I've been very lucky. You mean geriatric? Oh my God, I hate that. <laughs> oh okay, God. listen. I Is that the most disgusting is that the most disgusting thing you could tell a woman? Hi, thank you so much for bringing human life into the world. You're 35 and geriatric now? Yeah, it's um, it's disturbing. But I hate that term. It's old. It's still, it still pops up in charts and stuff because sometimes like when you put in a code, like it automatically will bring up instead of advanced maternal age. The, the term geriatric pregnancy, I didn't even know about that term until uh, social media. Oh. Because in my training, in my training, we never talked about geriatric pregnancy ever. So I learned about it on social media. And the funny thing is, is that I was always like, that's the worst term. I hate it. Ugh. And then I was pregnant at 37 and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what's going on right now. Oh, you that, could feel, feel the difference? Oh, 100%. And that may just be me because I know I have friends who are, you know, pregnant at 40 and thriving, love pregnancy. Yes. But for me, my final pregnancy, and granted, he was significantly bigger than my other two. Like what? Um, he was almost, yeah, oh, he was 10, 14 at birth. Oh, Hudson! And my, oh. my, <laughs> Oliver was 10, oh, but 10, God. 14 feels different. 10, 14 feels different. What? Um, Even after two yeah, people pass through you? Te- 14 well, ounces makes a big difference? F- I could tell that he was bigger. And I wow. actually made them. I really did make them induce me at 39 weeks. I was advanced maternal age. And so induction at 39 weeks for advanced maternal age. There's some data that, you know, it may be helpful. It's not like a... There's like soft reasons for induction and then there's hard reasons yeah. for induction. That was like a soft one. And induction for having a big baby is also, the data doesn't support that it's going to reduce risks if you do it at 39 weeks. We know obviously if we induce someone at 36 weeks, their risk of baby's shoulder getting stuck in the pelvis is going to be way lower, but the risks are too high for baby. So we wouldn't do that. But the, you know, induction for big baby, it's not really a, it's not a great induction reason because we don't have data to support it. But I kept saying to them, I'm like, this baby is bigger than my 10 pounder. And I'm afraid that if we go to, if I deliver at 40 weeks, like I did last time, that I don't know if I can deliver 11 or uh, 12 pound baby. And that's what I was on track to do. Because if I had waited another week, he probably would have been over 11 pounds. And 
I think I probably, now that I've given birth, I think I probably still could have done it because I gave, I pushed four times with my 10 pound baby and then I pushed for an hour with this baby, but it was because he was sunny side up. Ow. And wow. It was awful. Ow. It was awful. Okay. Can we describe to the listener what sunny side yeah. up is and awful. Yeah, and this so is after your traumatic birth with your, with your with daughter five years ago. And this was worse or this was better? Oh, this was better. Oh God. Better. Tell us what sunny side up is just for okay. reference people. So sunny side up is when baby, baby should be looking towards your bottom, your bum and looking down so that their chin gets tucked to their chest and the smallest area of their head is leading through the birth canal, through your vagina. If they are looking up towards the sky, up to, towards your abdomen, they are the biggest diameter of their head is going through your birth canal. It's not, it's like, it's just not the right position, the, the best positioning. Um, and there some other cultures, I can't remember which other, in which language they call it, uh, they call them stargazers, babies who are looking mm. up, which I think is so pretty because, but it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. So um, I, he was sunny side up and I pushed for an hour with nothing, you would, no you, progress. And that did, but does the, does the epidural help with sunny side up babies? I hear that it does. It can help with the pain because it is pain. You typically have pain in the back. Because the skull is hitting the the spine, right? You know, yeah, probably. I mean, I always, when I think about, your spine is protected, though, by bone and everything. So I don't know. When people say, like, oh, it's back on back and that's why it hurts, I don't think, we we don't know why why it's felt in the back, but it is. But I don't think we necessarily know why it, why you feel it like that. Because everything that I think about logically, I'm like, I don't understand. Anyway, mm. I digress. Okay, but I've well. thought a lot about why. Why do you? You've feel thought it a lot about. Back? You've had a lot of time to think about this. Yes, yes. So um, I had an epidural, which was great, but I pushed for an hour, and I was freaking out because when you go from pushing out a 10 pound baby and four contractions, like I almost laughed out my middle child. He came out so easily. And he was a surprise 10 pounds. I was never expecting a baby that big because Celeste was two pounds less. So when you go from that to like pushing for an hour and nothing, no progress. I mean, I, when I push, when I push with my babies, I put my hand in my vagina. I'm up in there like feeling my pushing because I'm not afraid. I am not afraid of the vagina, my own or anybody else's. You well, know, that's I'm very, great. obviously very comfortable. Well, vaginas are great. We wouldn't be here without vaginas. Literally yeah. no one would be here so a big fan of vaginas but um that's great that's a great um tip for anyone maybe oh yeah wanting to have a vaginal you labor have... you go in there with your hand to like stretch it out a bit no not not even stretch it out i needed to i needed the the feedback to mm. know if my pushing efforts were working okay it's especially it can be especially important when you have an epidural right. and you can't necessarily feel your pushing effort efforts or feel your contractions so i was pushing and not feeling a budge and so i'm thinking this is a 12 pound baby and this is not happening so the midwife who was pushing with me called in the OBGYN to do like a consult i think mostly because pushing for an hour isn't insane Okay, but I was clearly freaking out. <laughs> and so she called the OBGYN in 
And she comes in and she's like, all right, well, we can try a manual rotation, which is when we go in with our hands and turn baby to look down, turn them to the, the kind of the ideal position. So she went in and she did such a good job. She just pushed, you know, you push baby back up to kind of disengage them from the pelvis. She turned him around and then he just came out. No. No. I didn't even have to put I had to push a little bit past like the ring of fire, but that was it. No. It was all position. It was all position. It wasn't oh me. I was God. I was so frustrated with myself and I was like, Christine, how like how could you forget how to push? And I shouldn't have pressed the epidural button that one last time and I was being so hard on myself. Do and, not be hard on yourself. And everybody was giving the world. I know, I know. Life but... Hudson. Ten pounds. Yeah, so. Fourteen ounces. Does he sleep well? They say when they're bigger, they sleep better. My yeah, babies so were tiny and I didn't sleep for three years straight. No, they, my kids are, even Celeste was, she wasn't as good of a sleeper. She was really rough at the beginning, but both my 10 pound babies have the most they ever woke up at night. I'm going to like, I need to knock on wood because we're getting a sleep regression is a, a coming, I'm sure. But as, as newborns, the most they ever woke up at night was two times at night. It's amazing so, because they don't lucky. need to. Very I mean, lucky. just, I mean, for the listener who doesn't, maybe hasn't had a baby or doesn't know, um, like they need to gain weight. They just need to gain weight. That's why yeah. they're waking you up in the middle of the night. That's, they're just trying yeah. to thrive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when they're 10 and pounds, our, it took me like three months to get my kids to 10 yeah. pounds, maybe more. Yeah. The, the pediatricians, like when, when I had my 10 pounders, were like, yeah, you don't have to wake them up. Mm-hmm. If, with Celeste, they're like, you have to wake her up every two hours, even if she's sleeping, to feed her. And with the 10-pound right. babies, they were like, no, you don't have to do that. We eventually had to do that when Hudson, because Hudson wasn't gaining enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't reach. It took him three weeks to get back to birth weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a little touch and go there. But now, you know, he, he, my, my sons have been such easy babies. I mean, toddler. Let me tell you, my two-year-old, a monster. Has, he he's made up for it. He's yeah. made up for his oh, yeah. easy baby. So has Paz. <laughs> so has my two-year-old. She was like the easiest baby. Oh my god, she was so easy. I mean, she woke up in the middle of the night, but I was kind of like, "Oh, you're so yeah. easy during the day. Like it's okay. Like let's yeah. hang out. Blah blah blah." Yeah. Now that yeah. she's two and sleeping. I just have to say, thank God she's sleeping. She's yeah. giving me a run for my money, but I'm kind of in, I like, I, I enjoy it a little bit more. But the totally. first one, I was like, yeah. what have I done wrong? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I know with the first what one, it's, you think it's all you. And then you realize, oh, this has, this is very little to do with me. This has very they little to do. They are Oh my God. But I do think that yeah. the first time you don't know that because like everything is about you up until that point and rightfully so. Everything yes. is about you. So, like, why wouldn't this also be about you? And it's a sort of bizarro land experience the second time around where you're like, oh, I've done the exact same things. Yes. And, like, the results could not be any more different. Yeah. yeah. Um, were your postpartums yeah. different? <laughs> were your postpartums oh, different? Oh, so different. My first postpartum was a brutal awakening. I, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, this was 2000. I mean, you know, when you gave birth in 2017, there was not all of these Instagram accounts talking no. about what this experience was like. No. People, it was really, you hit a brick wall and it was shocking. Yeah, it was shocking. I had 
no idea, even as an OBGYN, which right. just goes to show that we are not listening to women. We are not telling women stories. I mean, it's a lot, it is a lot better in the last five years. I it, think all, so. We have so much further to go. But um, when I first started talking about postpartum being difficult on social media, people were like, I've never heard anybody say this before. And now I feel like it's more, it's kind of, it's more out there. Well, but my, my last postpartum experience was on par, probably, it may have even been more difficult physically. And it was a gorgeous experience. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, I had I had a, I had a night and day experience with Ness and with Paz. I, I I can't tell if the if the world has changed in the past five years and we're telling more women's stories and or if I just like am looking for them more. You know, I was I'm not yeah. as much as I like here. So here I am putting out a podcast, just like you say. Like I'm out of the thick of it, and now I'm 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 willing and able and you know ready with you know, people that I, I know, like, and trust to disseminate the information to the women, you know, coming, coming into motherhood now. Yeah. But I don't know if, I I don't know if, if this existed before and I just didn't know it, if I just didn't seek it out or Instagram used to be much more cookie cutter. The vulnerability thing was kind of, kind of came about around like, you know, 2017, 2018, yeah. 2019, all of a sudden influencers started sharing vulnerably. Right. And then it became like a trend. And now it's, you know, it's nobody's surprised when an influencer comes on and cries. And you know what I mean? Like it is. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Well, I, and I also think that the world has changed so much. There's so much more to cry about after this pandemic I think (laughs) like it was sort of impossible if your business was living online not to be like at some point oh my gosh I'm totally I'm I'm devastated so at some point in the last two years every one of us have 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 touched that devastation point but I'm really curious because you're this brilliant um doctor and educator I love the way you speak on um thank you on on the um postpartum and pregnancy experience it's like really comforting because you you have such a a voice of authority and also you're just really clear you know but how do you use social media to get to people I mean that what a what a pivot like from a business perspective like how did you even know you could do that oh you know what I think it was Um, I, as a new mom, the new mom friends that I made, I made friends with, I went to this, um, postpartum support alliance is a, uh, organization here in San Diego that helps support postpartum mental health. And I, I met somebody there who's a dear friend of mine now, and two of her mom friends were both influencers. Okay. And I think it was becoming friends with influencers that made me think, oh, I could do this and I could, I could do it in this way, in an edu- you know, in an educational way. And, um, yeah, it's been, I also, you know, I'm a, I'm an extrovert and I'm also a person who I don't really know if I'm not really worried about embarrassing myself mm. or making a fool of myself. And so if the, 
I don't think that anything that I, I think or that happens to me is that I'm special in any way and that I'm the only one. So if I'm thinking something or if I'm worried about something, I have no problem or I'm struggling with some, something, I have no problem sharing that. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like somebody like me should be the one who's sharing the things that other people may feel like maybe a little guilty or or ashamed of because they don't know. And I was born with <laughs> this confidence that allowed me I to like it. not, you know, and so I'm that's so a happy. gift that I have. It is a real gift. It is a real gift. And you're funny. I just think like that's, that's a real leg up. Don't you think like when you have something deep yeah. to say and you're funny, you're like, I got that. I got to share it. I mean... Yeah. I don't know where this, like, I was, it's funny, I am so different than my family, too, because my family are not, like, funny joke people, uh-huh. and I think that I kind of cringed them out a little bit as a child. Like, I, I definitely set off their cringe factor, like, the way, <laughs> because I I will talk to, I, I mean, I will talk to anybody, I love making people laugh, it gives me such, like, personal joy I cannot relate more. and my yeah. family is all introverts and kind of like more um yeah they're, they're, they're like, not they're like, like they're not they're doctors jokesters. they're doctors yeah, guys yeah. So like, like we've all been to the I doctor they like write you a script and call call it a day god bless them really thank you so much I really yeah. am grateful for medicine all the things but like yeah. they're not like here to like hang yeah. out I, although yeah, I do, exactly except for except you are like yeah and you know what a lot of OBGYNs are but you know we we have to put on this like kind of mask you have to wear a mask um a lot of the time and um but like my girlfriends who are OBGYNs are hilarious and we all have it's funny it's like emergency medicine on the west coast and OBGYN on the west coast we all swear like sailors we all like you know anesthesiologists too are pretty cool so you know it's just that when you interact with us when we're in our professional capacity Mm. what but not foot doctors this we've already discussed foot doctors they're not so funny oh orthopedic surgeons (laughs) they're just different they're not as different yeah they're just different different different. oh good yeah 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 we don't judge so you still have, <laughs> it's all good. Um, wait, so you, you still have friends who are OBGYNs. You don't have like yeah. any beef. I mean, we all have, we no. have to go to the gyno. Like you're not here on this podcast being like, don't go to the gyno. It's a racket. Don't. No, it's a system problem. Okay. And we are the victims of it as much as our patients are. And that's the thing is, is that the powers that be, you know, you go to your, your OB and they have five minutes and it doesn't seem like they care. And, you know, you're like, oh, that OB-JOIN doesn't care. Like, this this person sucks. And then the physician who's, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes behind already, a patient comes in, and they have this long list of questions. And they're like, oh, my God, this lady. Ugh. This lady and caring like, for, her own, for her own body yeah, and her this baby. Sucks. And the problem is not the patient or the physician. The problem is a system where you should be seeing 30 patients in a day. Why? To pay the bills? No. What What's going on yeah. there? Yeah. Well, one, most physicians are employed. We are not, very few physicians these days own their own practice. We have bosses. We are cogs in this system. We are not in charge. At the hospitals, 
Physicians are not in charge a lot of the times. It's business people. Right. It's people who maybe they were a physician or maybe they were a nurse, but now they've transitioned over to hospital administration and they've really lost touch with medicine. So we are cogs. And, you know, being an OBGYN is hugely traumatizing. Being an emergency medicine physician, hugely traumatizing. Nobody pref- nobody helps us deal with the emotions of the job and the trauma of the job. And so what we do, we don't know any better. And we're, we're go out there just, Nine. our trauma is impacting our patients. We're burnt out. We are desensitized. We have, you know, compassion fatigue because we are so overworked. Right. We are in this awful soup along with our patients and the patients and the physicians are just blaming each other when we need to look up at who created this soup, who created this problem. Who created this problem? I mean, it's insurance companies. It's, you know, it's insurance companies. The fact that, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to have the answers to how we can fix our healthcare system, but a for-profit system, you know, just a pure for-profit system is ridiculous. Right, right. And maybe it's not ridiculous, but it's not working and it's hurting people. I don't know if it's ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't, I like making money. I, I, I don't know, I, I, really, but I think at the yeah. end of the day, when we're talking about life and death, like actual birth and death, then we have to uh, question, Yeah, is it working? Yeah. And it's clearly not. It's so, not. <laughs> so you, it's not. Uh, great. So, so what, so one of the solutions, well, I don't know if, if this is a solution or if it's just a really helpful handhold is Sterling Parents? Is that the offering that you created? What was the download for you? Around creating this? Yeah. Around creating your, your, um, your community. Yeah. So it has the big purpose, like the big why behind Sterling Parents is that I have this kind of fundamental woo woo spiritual belief. Yeah that our children are our soulmates Hmm. and our reproductive journey, our journey as we grow them and develop them in our bodies um, or, you know, the whole experience of it is preparing us to be a parent for that child. I need to take a second. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, when we are so anxious and stressed out and unsupported through that journey, we can't be present. We can't, we can't go through that growth and development. And nobody's, nobody's even telling us this. Nobody's even supporting our growth and development through our pregnancy and postpartum. I am. (laughs) So that's why I wanted this to exist. I want to, one, I want to make it easier for people. So, you know, you're not Googling at 2 a.m. I wanted to create a, a, a source of high quality information that, you know, every piece of content that's on our site, all of your pregnancy questions, birth questions, whatever, we have this 3E verification process and every piece of content is evidence-based. Every piece of content, content is expert-based and every piece of content is experience-based. Everyone who creates content for us is a mom who's been there. I want to and create content a- for you. What's going on here? <laughs> okay, go on. There you go. Way to plug myself yeah. on my own podcast. Great. <laughs> Good for you, Rabani. I love it. I love it. Okay, back to you. But yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's so I wanted to give them that I, I wanted to give people that place where they can go that, you know, that that place that they can trust with, you know, to have the information. And I wanted to give them human support from me, you know, we, my my members can send me messages 24 hours a day, I check them, probably honestly, I probably eight times a day I'm on there and you know answering questions I give them a lot more access to me than you have access and and because their questions I'm not giving them medical advice because I can't I'm not their doctor but so many of the questions all they need is education they don't need me to tell them take an aspirin do this they just need me to explain the you know why their doctor made that recommendation where that comes from what the data says a longer conversation Yeah. And so there's that. And then there's this piece of, I care about your development as a human being through this reproductive process, because you are, you are not just growing a baby, you are growing a parent and the parent that you need to be for that child, even if you already are a parent. So how do we support the emotional development of the individual through their reproductive journey. And we have a methodology that helps people do that. We teach nine skills that really support your physical and emotional wellness through the reproductive journey. And those nine skills translate to you being the parent that you were meant to be. You don't need to be a perfect parent. You don't need to be a cookie cutter parent. You need to be the parent you were meant to be because your children are your soulmates. And once you're in alignment with yourself and your values, you are in alignment with your children and you're the best parent to them. Even on the day you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing. As long as you're walking in that alignment with your purpose and your values, you will always be the best child. I'm sorry, the best parent to your child. Mm. That's just my fundamental belief. Mm. Um, what are those nine principles, mm. if I may ask? Yeah, so we have deep. We have three kind of subset. So there's the feel worthy skills, there's the be present skills, and there's the embrace joy skills. So the feel worthy skills are deprogram your brain. So we need to deprogram our brain from your worth is your productivity, your worth is how you look, your worth is checking all the boxes. So there's our deep, we have to deprogram your brain from a lot of these deeply held beliefs that we have boundaries. Okay. So talking, you know, we bring in experts. I'm not teaching all of this stuff that we have experts that come in and teach about boundaries. So boundaries with yourself, with your family, all of that, and then self-care and not just like, okay, make time, you time, you time is important. Self-care is important. How How do you do it? How do you do it when you're exhausted and overwhelmed, right? So that, it's a skill, it's a habit, it's a mindset. So we teach that. And then when we get to the be present skills, I love these skills. We have a mindfulness program, which mindfulness has data to show that people who practice mindfulness have higher parenting satisfaction scores. Mm. So mindfulness is really important. You know, we, I don't know if you follow parenting accounts, but they're always talking about how you have to regulate your own emotions before you can help your child regulate. You have to calm yourself. How do you do that? Well, we want to teach you how to do that. So we teach mindfulness, mind-body connection, and we teach intuition. What's that? Intuition, I know. T- intuition is a real thing. 
But we, when we tell people that, oh, mother's intuition, mother's instinct, when we act like it just shows up when you give birth, we actually create a lot of shame because so many people don't know what it is. They confuse anxiety and intuition all the time. Well, it's very and loud. Anxiety is very loud in the body, in the thoughts. Yes. Of course. So, so we teach intuition as a way of tapping in to really, you know, I have a degree in neuroscience. So to me, intuition is just your subconscious knowledge that you don't always have conscious access to but still exists in your incredible brain our brains are incredible they are filled with so much information but we and our bodies right our bodies have so much information but we don't always have that conscious access to them but if you can strengthen that muscle of listening to yourself of tapping into your inner your inner wisdom that's going to be when you when you get to that point you're going to better you you can better respond to your children mm-hmm. you know and have more parent satisfaction I loved that yes I loved that phrase because I don't hear it enough a satisfying know, isn't experience that terrible yes yeah, like, satisfying like experience. your life doesn't matter anymore guys like I feel like I need to like shout this from the rooftop you were born too yes you, you are someone's baby. This is what your one precious life. This is this it. This is your one precious this life. This is yes. the thing we're doing yeah. it right now. Yeah. And and that's why we talk about embracing joy because that's a problem. When you become a parent, all of a sudden your enjoyment, fun, pleasure, oh, it's just in the cor- you push it to the corners of your life. Once the more important work is done, oh, then we'll have time for fun and 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 no, joy can be a priority. And it should be, especially, you know, with our kids, like it is, it's so fleeting and the, the bad times with children can be so freaking tough mm. that we need to really lean into those joyful, happy moments because they don't happen in perfect situations. You can have that joy moment on a plane when your kid is like, you know, being crazy there are those like seconds where you look at your partner and you're like, is this, is this happening to us right now? Like, is this, and when you practice mindfulness, when you practice these kind of these skills, you can feel that you, that moment can stretch out for you a little bit longer mm. and it, it makes it not so bad. Like mm. I'm about to fly today with my three kids today and, and you made yeah. the time for us. Of course, of course. Talk to Ed. I love you. I, I love, love you. Are you kidding? Of course oh I'm going to make time God. for you. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. So, and what I what am I doing right now in my head? I'm I am telling myself, okay, let's Hudson's going to have two blowouts. Oliver toddler poop is is going to make a sh- is going to show up. Someone's going to be crying. And what I'm picturing in my head is looking at my husband and having a giggle of being just like, look at, look at this. Look this at, is ridiculous. Look at what we've be, done. That, yeah. And that is the skill like that. Practicing that skill of not being, oh my gosh, I have to do all the things to prove. They are people. And I have some control over, over what happens, but a lot of it I don't have control over. And so it's kind of practicing leaning into those mo- those hard moments and finding that little glimmer of like this is going to be okay. It Sometimes right when now, they're crazy, this is gonna be okay. Some it's it is going to be okay. And the another mantra that maybe you want to um adopt is yes. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> 
love it. Like, I love yesterday, it. I, like, uh, you know, I, like, wanted to go to this event. Like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get out there. Like, being in, in person, it's, like... I need yeah. that. I can't, you know, I, I, this is very, very. Cause you're good. an extrovert too. I'm such an extrovert. Like right? I'm having a great yeah. time in this conversation, but like, could I hug you? <laughs> so like, I went, I wanted to take my kids to this party and like, they were grumpy and da, 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 da. And I just had to say to myself, like, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They're not having yeah. like a proper dinner. I don't care. And it was yeah. an amazing evening. Because the things that I don't care about, I don't care. And the things that I really care about, like going to a party, that's a real priority for me. Like real. Like I don't need anyone to like validate that. Parties are a real important thing for me. And like a new place. We went to a mall for maybe the first time because like we live in New York City. Like, you know, my five-year-old was like, what's a mall? Like that was (laughs) so cool. I love it. Uh, the mantra, I don't care, really got me through. Thought yes, I'd offer I that, that to you. I think that's fantastic. I think I think that these mantras, these, you know, noticing when you're getting that, like when your shoulders are up at your ears and you're getting triggered and you're feeling all the feels and just releasing and being like, you know what? This is temporary. I say that to myself all the time. This yeah. is temporary. It's all going to be okay. It's important. Yeah. Because there's... Oh, man, you can miss so much of the beauty in the imperfect moments. Well, like, what's the whole, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? Like, here we were, I mean, we actually sort of, (laughs) we didn't get into, we didn't get into Celeste's birth, but maybe that's not, if you want to talk about it, I'd be more than happy, but, um, and I'm curious about it, but. Whatever you want. Yeah. Well, I have so many more questions is the thing, and. Maybe you go. Maybe you go into it in, in another in another place, and I can point people there just because, you know, it probably yeah. is a good story. But um, what's the point of having children if we're not going to enjoy them? What's 100%. the point of being a doctor if you're not going to enjoy it? Yeah. Oh, that's student debt. <laughs> that's the point, right? But look Literally, at you. Look at you. How you like yeah. trusted yourself to. To build an entire business, from yeah. Scratch. I mean, hope, the 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 reality is is that I very, you know, I I I am only able to do this because I have a husband who could, for a few years, take on our entire financial burden. But thank you for saying that out loud. By the way, there's no shame in that game, and that's pro- that's part of the reason why so many of these mommy bloggers and influencers are able to build these businesses. I just want to say that out loud to everyone, yes. guys. It's really it's if you feel like you're not moving forward, this like it's okay if you're just paying the bills. It's okay if you're paying the student loans. It's okay yeah. if you're feeding your children. Like anyway, thank God for you I and thank God ha- for him. Yeah, he he is. You know, and I, I said this a few, I think, I can't remember when I, I shared this, but he is, Sterling Parents wouldn't exist without him because you don't make money when you start a new company. We we have everything that I have made in the last three years has been reinvested in the company. So I have made zero dollars. I don't get paid. And that is, you know, he was able to shoulder that burden and pay our bills for that time. And now, you know, we, Sterling Parents does need to start, I do need to start earning an income um, because there's only so long that he can pay both 
all of the debt because we, yeah. we, you know, because you're becoming doctors. a doctor is incredibly expensive. Yeah. Um, but that I couldn't if if I had to make the money that I was making before, there was I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have done both. No, it was impossible. So I am very privileged to have been able to take a step away from generating income for a few years to create something that hasn't been created before. Well, um, a little off topic yeah. or maybe just tangential, but isn't that this whole conversation? Um, right. <laughs> your love story is so beautiful to me. And I, it's like, I get well, little bits of you. it because I have, I have followed you for, I guess it's been a little bit over a year now. And just you, that love story is so beautiful. Thank you. Would you just tell it just cause it's nice? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I met my husband, um, first year of medical school and he, <laughs> I, I did not intentionally trick him, but I did trick him. And I tricked him in two ways. One, um, I wore a Grateful Dead t-shirt all of the time. I wore, I like the Grateful Dead, but I'm not a deadhead. I had it because it was $10 at Urban Outfitters. Yep. That's why I had the shirt. Okay. Valid. Um, it wasn't like I need more, you know, Grateful Dead merch. It was like, oh, this is on the sale rack. It's $10. So I was wearing a Grateful Dead uh, uh, t-shirt. I wore it all the time. And I happened to like this really nerdy show called Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and I was having a conversation with another member of our medical school class about Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> And my husband was like, this is an awesome chick. She likes the Grateful Dead. She likes sci-fi. Like, this this is the jackpot, right? <laughs> not wrong. He's not wrong. She is the jackpot. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I am, I am a high-maintenance girl. And I always have been. I, have, I am not, I am not, uh, I don't, I like Battlestar Galactica. I'm not a huge so, overall sci-fi fan. And so he, you know, but by the time he got to know me, he loved me, despite the fact that I was very different from my initial impression. And my husband is Jewish and is Judaism is really, really, really important to him. He is, we have a bookshelf next to our bed with all of his, we have multiple bookshelves in our house with his, his Jewish books. Like Talmud? Like Hebrew oh, Jewish yeah. books? Oh, yeah. All of it. I mean, he's, you know, we got the Rambam. We, we've got, like, we, he is, you know. Whoa, talk eventually Jewish one day, to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is, he's very scholarly in his, in his Judaism is study. You know, yeah. he's like, you know, probably one day when he's an old man, he's going to become a rabbi. Like, that, Great. that will like Casual doctor, rabbi. Casual doctor, rabbi. Like, like be- that will happen. Beautiful partner, supportive man. And he'll talk like a thit. You know, he'll... T- oh, I know. Na, na, na. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so... And I'm not Jewish. I, I, well, I am Jewish. I wasn't Jewish when we met. And that was a thing. That was a big thing. Yeah. But I loved him so much. And he loved me so much. And I said, I will, I, I, I felt, I had so much respect for Judaism having experienced it through him because it was, it's so much, it's not like any religion I had ever been exposed to. And so I didn't want to just convert because that would be the convenient thing. Yeah. 
I, I said, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, I was agnostic. And I was like, that feels really wrong to me. Like, to claim to be a Jew and not feel called to it, that just feels wrong. And I don't want to do that. But I will have a Jewish family for you. Mm. I will do the holidays. I will do, you know, I will lean into creating a, you know, a culturally Jewish experience for our kids, because that was really important to him. And we'll deal with it. We'll, we'll figure it out, you know. You and I him. had so many Jewish friends who had both parents who were Jewish, a parent who was a rabbi, and they didn't have a connection to their, their Judaism, you know, at the time that I knew them. It was something that they were, like, annoyed about. And I was like, I, I think that I can, I think I can take this on and make sure that our kids, like, freaking love it. Like, I'm going to make this fun. We're going to, like, we're going to do it up. Like, I think that I can do that. And, you know, and then... After having two children together, I suddenly realized that I was Jewish and that I had a Jewish soul. And there was a reason why I had lived a Jewish life for almost 10 years. And then I decided to convert. And that was... I have chills all over. I did not see that <laughs> twist after two children. I After two children. I had the chills all over. I had no idea. I just assumed yeah. you convert converted before you... <gasps> oh my god and I love him like of course you are this beacon of hope for women because you also have a man who is patient who is yeah. passionate who is loving yeah. who is in true yeah. partnership oh we are I, I'm gonna start crying he is he is a 50-50 partner and sometimes more and I wish, you know, it is so when you have, especially when you're pregnant and you've got little kids, I mean, you cannot do all the things and to have, you know, um, I didn't have a dad who was like that. Um, and to have my kids have a dad who is like, he's so, you know, he's the one who has separation anxiety when he <laughs> the kids. I'm like, woohoo! I mean, like we are, that's very, you know? that's very Jewish. I'm is it yeah. not? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, but, you but. know. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a good dad and he's such a good partner and he works so hard and he gives the best to us. Yeah. He always gives us the best. You know, if he has a, if there are two slices of pie, he's giving whichever one he perceives to be better, he's giving to me or the kids. And that, that allows me to go out into the world and try to really do big things and take big risks to make big change. Cause I have someone at home who's going to, who's going to do the dishes and who's going to make the food and who's going to do bedtime. He, and take the leap to like, yeah, sure. Go not make money for three years when you have, when your earning potential is in the six figures. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Your your part, you know, our partners matter for that. We can't we can't do it on our own, and we shouldn't. Yeah, and we really shouldn't. Um, I'm grateful to him, and I'm grateful to you for the way you show up for women Thank and uh, pregnant possible people. Yeah, pregnant capable people is a you know. Thank you for is a good term. Thank you for teaching me that. I will get more. Um, I will get better at that it listen I learned that 
like three weeks ago. Great. So we're all okay, <laughs> we're all figuring it out. Okay, great. We're all figuring it out. Um, I I I like experience you to be such a spiritual person, <clears throat> and also like obviously highly. Um, educated and I'm really like a smarty pants but (laughs) you know the thing that like uh, I remember about my OB was that she was kind of a bitch in um those like five minute check-ins where they weighed me and um you shooed me off but that in the labor and delivery room oh my god to see her face I I always say that it was like the difference between me auditioning for a role and me being on stage, like, and like the audience is there and the orchestra is there and the lights are on me and God is everywhere. I really felt that experience for her and I honor her for that. I really do. It wasn't a perfect experience. And I'm okay. I really do wish that I had known about your um, your community like then. But yeah. I wonder if you miss it. I wonder if you miss like being in the, the oh, delivery room. Oh, for sure. So a lot of OBGYNs hate the office because you are. It is. It is tough. You know, you are. You have a lot of patients to get through, and. One, you know, you have to give cancer diagnosis and then a miscarriage diagnosis. And then, and then when you're behind, when you've had those two like awful, like have to give or an STI diagnosis to somebody's in a monogamous relationship. Okay. Like these things happen all the time. And then you always get behind when those terrible things happen. And then it is like without fail that there's going to be a patient who's so mad at you and they just like. We, Every doctors day. are oftentimes, oh yeah, 100%. If you're late, you, you, if you are running behind, you are go, somebody is going to be very mad at you. And listen, it, it messes with their entire day. I get it. I totally get it. It's not to sit in a waiting room for fricking 45 minutes feels ridiculous. Right. Yeah. But of course they don't understand what's on the other side of that. And they don't understand like doctors aren't seen as human. And that's a lot of times our fault. You know, that's the fault of our, of our, of the medical field in general. No, I I think it's Um, all of our fault. Doctors are definitely human. Yeah, we get yelled at. I mean, we get yelled at, we get kicked, punched. Like people take a lot out on us. Sorry. And so, Yes, a lot of doctors hate clinic, but love being in the operating room and love being in the delivery room. I do, there's a certain high to, like, literally adrenaline high. Yes. To when somebody is on, like, a mom and, you know, or a pregnant person and a baby are, like, on, they're not doing okay, that I can show up and save their life. Like, that, there's something about that, you know? But I also, my favorite part of being a doctor is sitting across from a patient and educating them in Um, the office. I love the office. I'm the weird OBGYN who that's my favorite thing. And yes, the operating room was cool. I was a really good surgeon and it's fun to be, it's operating is fun when you're good at it and it's not, you're not struggling. It's fun. Yeah. You know, um, saving somebody's life is 
freaking amazing. It's yep. also hugely traumatizing, yeah. but it's amazing. And it's both things, right? Yep. So for me, it was the, I had to let go of those things in order to fully lean into my favorite part of being a physician, which is like holding people's hands and supporting them and doing all of that. And I'm actually still able to do like yes. I'm very much able to do that through Sterling Parents. That's right. I'm on Zoom with my members. I, I mean, every time I get on Zoom with them, we cry. Like yeah. somebody cries. <laughs> and and you you're on, even when you're so, on social media, it does feel like you're talking to someone one-on-one. I mean, you must be, yeah. you must be envisioning that experience because like even from like an acting yeah. perspective, like it really does feel like, wow, she's really talking to me and I, I, I feel seen. And now, you know, like it's, um, yeah, like you're a good influencer. You're a good influencer in that way. I, I, I guess. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a terrible influencer because there's so many of the influencer things that I'm bad at. Like people are like, can you link that? I'm like, shoot. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're talking to me straight to my eyeballs, straight to my heart. You're doing great. I think, I think. Thank you. Um, thank you. Dr. Sterling, where can we find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Sterling OBGYN. And if you're wondering the birth story for my first, yeah. I did a series on TikTok with all three of my births. So I tell each story and there was a big lesson. Each one had a big lesson. So um, I shared that on TikTok. And then Sterling Parents is just sterlingparents.com. Um, any parting words or do you also feel complete? I feel like very good about our experience together today, but I'm wondering if you have any parting words for, for the um, listener. My dream is that every single parent on this planet would realize that they are the most important part of their parenting, that it's them. And that when they are themselves fully and when they are supported and when they are whole and well it doesn't necessarily all of the details don't matter as much and that you will be the best parent when you're just the best version of yourself that's the most important that's the th that's my parting words and wisdom thank you so much i hope um that airplane ride goes well and if not, if it doesn't, oh. I don't care. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Nothing could be as bad as the last time we took this flight. We, it was, it, it turned from a two hour, two hour and a half, two and a half hour flight to a 12 hour travel day. <sighs> we, we, yeah, it was bad. So nothing could be that bad. Nothing could be that bad. Yeah. Yeah. TV, snacks. You got each other. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Thank you for taking the time. Of course. So grateful for you.